Hello and welcome to Messages at BBC. In these messages, you'll hear from professors, staff, guest speakers, as well as students. These messages were spoken and recorded on campus at Boise Bible College. If you'd like to check out Boise Bible College, please see our website at boisebible.edu. Well, it's great to be here. My name is Matt. I'm the high school minister at Eagle Christian Church, and I'm excited to, to get to share with you this morning. Just a little bit about me real quick. Uh, I'm married. My wife's name is Christina. She's a registered nurse at St. Luke's. We have a two-and-a-half-year-old son named Travis. I don't have a picture today, but Travis is two-and-a-half. He's starting to move around. He's getting kind of wild. He recently discovered he can get out of his room, which is terrifying. Uh, I walked downstairs the other day. And he had already gotten up, he had gotten cereal, and uh, he just like poured it out, just kind of there, he was just kind of laying in a chair eating cereal, and he had managed to turn on Netflix, and was watching this show, so there's, there's children's shows out there, and you know this, because some of you really enjoy them, and I do too, there's some children's shows out there that are like great for adults to watch, right, like, like when, he, when we watch Moana, I, I, I love that movie, I've seen it 20 or 30 times, I love it, he's got this, this show on called Chuggington, which is not one of those shows. It is an absolute monstrosity. Do not watch Chuggington. And, but he's watching this, and it was like, man, he's got cereal. He's just kind of laying there watching Netflix. I have a college sophomore in the house, and they grow up so fast. So it's, it's true what they say. They grow up so fast. Anyway, but he's, he's great. This morning, I've brought with me uh, some dirt, and early this morning, I realized I still needed to get this, and so I was out in a pair of shorts in my garden, flower beds, just kind of shoveling dirt into a bag. Some of my neighbors saw me. They are very concerned and troubled for me now. But I've brought some dirt, but here's the thing about this dirt is that it hasn't always been dirt. You've, you've maybe heard the phrase when we talk about something that's boring, that it is like watching paint dry. Ever, ever heard that before, that when something's boring, well, that was like watching paint dry. I think maybe a better imagery when we talk about things that are boring or things that are a little bit mundane is that it's like watching dirt become dirt. So I got this from kind of a section in my garden where we just kind of dump all kinds of stuff, right? Coffee grounds go there, and eggshells go there, and maybe some leftover lettuce, and occasionally some, some grass clippings, and we'll put some water on it, and you kind of mix it up and stir it, and if you really want to have fun with it, knead it. Don't do that. But and over time, over a slow amount of time, months and months and months, and you usually don't even realize that it's happening, but over that course of time, months and months and months, it becomes becomes dirt and it becomes compost and it becomes something that if I were to take this and plant a flower in it, and maybe I should have done that, but it's November 1st, uh, you could plant a flower and it will grow and it will thrive, but it's all happening below the surface. It's all happening in a way that we don't even realize. It's all happening over time as ingredients are mixed together and the seasons pass and, and there's just a little bit of faithful work to cultivate it and eventually it becomes dirt, and it's like watching dirt become dirt. This morning, I'm going to suggest to you that perhaps the most spirit-minded thing that you did or could do this morning is to have a very mundane time reading the Bible. 
And I don't say that this morning to be edgy. I don't say that to just be provocative or anything like that. But rather this morning, I'd like to encourage you. I'd like to push you. I'd like to propel you in the way of Jesus. And I think we see this in, in a series of stories in the Gospel of Luke. Hopefully you got this handout. I've elected to just throw these stories on a handout for you this morning. But in Luke chapter 3, verses 21 through 22, we read this brief initial story about the baptism of Jesus. Here's, here's what it says, Luke 3, 21. Now, when all the people were baptized, when Jesus also had been baptized and was praying, the heavens were opened, and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove, and a voice came from heaven. It booms from heaven. You are my beloved son. With you I am well pleased. And can we just imagine for a moment the glory of, of this story? The glory of the feeling, the spiritual high almost that, that Jesus probably has as he's baptized and the heavens are ripped open and the spirit descends on him like a dove and there's a voice of the father speaking affirmation over him. You are my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. The Father literally speaking Scripture into existence as he affirms the work of the Son, and the Spirit is present. We have the Father speaking, we have the Son hearing, we have the Spirit descending, and all the while, Scripture at the heart of it. This is powerful. This is a big moment. Can you imagine the feeling of this moment? A feeling when you've perhaps been affirmed by a parent or a friend or a professor or a spiritual mother and father. That moment when you're, when you're keenly aware that the Spirit is doing work in your life. Changing things, transforming things, bringing things to life. And there's that affirming presence of God. Or maybe the affirming presence of someone else's words. You are my beloved son and I'm pleased in you. And it's a great and glorious moment. And then... Luke is going to change things just a little bit. He's going to give us a, a genealogy, and then it's going to switch gears back to Jesus, and it's going to say this, Luke 4.1, and Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. I love actually how Mark puts it. It's a little bit, a little bit more brief, this whole story. It says that the Spirit kind of drove him into the wilderness. He's tempted by Satan for 40 days. He was hanging out with wild beasts, and angels ministered to him. I mean, isn't that just the toughest sounding thing you've ever heard? The Spirit, like, like my students call me a lot of things, and they say a lot of things about me. But one thing I would love it if, that they would say is, yeah, Matt, he, uh, the Spirit leads him. He hangs out with wild beasts. And uh, like that, I just, that's awesome. And that's what Jesus does here. He's led by the Spirit. We've got the Father who has sent the Son off, but not as a prodigal, but rather as a son who's going to glorify the father. The father has sent the son off. The spirit is now driving him into the wilderness. And for 40 days, he's tempted by the devil. And he ate nothing during those days. And we know how this story unfolds. That Satan confronts Jesus. And several times, over and over and over, he tempts Jesus and he confronts Jesus. And he tries to get Jesus to compromise and follow his way. And on many levels, give up the kingdom. And every single time, Jesus replies with scripture. He quotes scripture. It's the, at the heart of, of, of what he's saying to Satan. It's, it's nourishing him. It's carrying him. It's, he's using it for battle. But 
can we appreciate just the up and down nature of this story? That Jesus has gone from a moment when heaven is being ripped open and the Father is booming from heaven, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased, to a moment now where the Spirit himself is leading Jesus into the wilderness to hang out with wild beasts and be tempted by Satan for 40 days with no food. The up and down of this is crazy, yet at the heart of it all, we've got the Father, we've got the Son, we've got the Spirit, and we've got Scripture either being spoken into existence or being quoted in the midst of the wilderness. And Jesus comes out of the wilderness. This is Luke 4.14. It says, And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee, and a report about him went out through all the surrounding country, and he taught in their synagogues, being glorified by all. And so we've gone up, and we've gotten down into the wilderness, and he's come out of the wilderness, and here he is teaching, which from what we're going to see here later in the text in Luke 4, certainly would have included scripture teaching and being glorified by all, and all of a sudden we're back up to that high, and things are good. He's going to go into Nazareth, and we're moving very, very quickly And he's going to read from the scroll, and he's going to make some claims, and initially the crowd is going to be kind of excited about that. They're going to be amazed at what he says, but he's going to continue to speak. He's going to continue quoting scripture. He's going to continue to tell kind of the story of the Old Testament, and it's going to result in this, Luke 4, 28. When they heard these things, all in the synagogue were filled with wrath. And they rose up and drove him out of town and brought him to the brow of the hill on which their town was built so they could throw him down the cliff. But passing through their midst, he went away. And so we've gone from the high of the baptism to kind of the low and struggle of the wilderness to the high of being glorified by the people as he goes to teach to all of a sudden a synagogue full of people turning on Jesus, being filled with wrath, wanting to drive him out of town to get rid of what he just said about Scripture. We've got the Father approving. We've got the Spirit empowering. We've got the Son working. And all the while, Scripture is a part of it. Scripture is empowering. Scripture is being used. And my guess would be that in this room this morning, um, we've got people who are at different places in this sort of journey. That many of you right now, when it comes to reading Scripture, when it comes to doing ministry, when it comes to jumping into these things, it feels a little bit like the baptism of Jesus, right? Because there's excitement. There is passion. You are realizing things in your classes, in your personal Bible time, in your, in your group time that you have with others, in conversations with friends, in conversations with professors. You are seeing things come alive in ways that you never thought would come alive before. And there is this richness, and there's this excitement, and there's this depth, and there's this newness and you're drawing connections with things that you never connected before and it's beautiful and it's exciting. I've had the opportunity a couple times this year to hang out with the Second Corinthians class. It's wild. And in 2 Corinthians, one of the best moments in that class is that moment, and I think it's legit. Hopefully they're not just going, yeah, he's bad at it. Let's just give him this. But uh, there's these moments where we connect the dots with a few things and there's just these kind of looks on our faces like, whoa. That's big. That's a huge theme that ties together, and we see it at work in Paul's letter. Right now, there's some of you who, when it comes to your spiritual life, 
It feels like heaven on a daily basis is being ripped open and the Father is speaking directly to you. And I would say rejoice together in that moment. That right here in this place, here at Boise Bible College or in your church ministry, you are getting to encounter and feel and know the presence of the Spirit working through Scripture in your life. But I also think that there's probably some of you, maybe a lot of you, who when it comes to Scripture, it feels a lot more like wilderness. It feels a lot more mundane. It feels a lot more slow. It feels a lot more dead. And not just with Scripture, but right now you're at a point where it is November 1st, and the days are getting shorter, and the, the darkness is, is getting longer, and every time it gets dark a little bit earlier, you feel just a little bit more dark inside. You struggle just a little bit more. My guess is that there's some of you this morning who the thought of heading home for Christmas or Christmas break or Thanksgiving break is actually kind of terrifying to you. There's some of you who you, you're not going to be able to, to go home in a couple weeks, and that thought has, has you depressed. There's some of you who struggle a lot with, with anxiety and with the stress of, of college, and every single test, every single assignment just kind of adds to that. There's some of you who have gone through disappointment and heartbreak and struggle, and things just feel dead right now. Things just feel like wilderness. You are familiar with the rejection that Jesus feels and Jesus sees in Luke chapter 4. My guess is that this morning there's probably some freshmen who are just kind of confused and maybe a little bit frightened about what's been going on this semester. There's some sophomores in the room who you're going, man, I've invested three semesters so far, but I'm not sure how I'm going to pay the bills next semester, and that's got me stressed out. There's some juniors who you're going, man, I'm, I'm five semesters, six semesters in, and I still have no idea what God wants from my life, and I'm starting to wonder, was this just a waste? There's some seniors probably looking at graduation, hoping to finish strong, but you have no idea what life looks like after May. You might be in a place of wilderness. And I think that there's comfort to be found when we look over at a, a couple of verses from Hebrews chapter 4, the author is talking about entering into rest. The author is talking about staying focused, staying obedient, following after the right things in that rest, not following after the people who, who missed out in their own disobedience. And here's what we get, Hebrews 4.13, let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing uh, to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. And you might read that and listen to that and go, I thought you were aiming to be encouraging. That's actually terrifying. And indeed... This morning, if you're sitting here in a place of active rebellion, active disobedience, a constant and willful saying no to God's word, then indeed it might be a little bit terrifying, but in a convicting sort of way. But here's how I think it's encouraging. 
that the Father is literally inviting you right now to take that rebellion, to take that disobedience and confess it, whereas 1 John says, he's faithful and just to forgive your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Knowing that because of the cross of the Son, the cross of Jesus, you can receive forgiveness. And because of the work of the Spirit, you can be cleansed from that sin. That he would change everything. That he would transform everything. And so the fact that the word of God is living and active and sharp and nothing can be hidden from the sight of God means that God already knows. He knows about that prodigal behavior. He knows about that rebellion. And he's inviting you with open arms. Come and confess and be changed and find refreshing in me. But I also think this is encouraging because if the God who created you, the God who can rip heaven open and say, this is my son in whom I am well pleased, if that God knows you and knows your heart and nothing is hidden from his sight and scripture reveals that, then that means that for those of you this morning who are broken, God sees that and he knows that. For those of you here this morning who are disappointed, God sees that and he knows that. For those of you, students and even professors and staff who are struggling and hurting, God sees that and he knows that. And guess what? Found in scripture, we find those things. Meaning that you can bring your brokenness to scripture and you'll find a story of a God who uses broken people. You can bring your story of spiritual deadness to scripture and you'll find a God who became flesh and died and rose again and promises that resurrection to us. You can bring your hurt and find a God who is hurt as well, yet forgives and offers compassion. You can bring those things to God, and through Scripture, he demonstrates that he has compassion, that he has comfort, that he has, as Hebrews 4, 14 through 16 says, it says, since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in in time of need. Let us draw near with confidence. And here's what happens is that sometimes in your brokenness, the word of God, scripture, pierces through and it makes room for grace and mercy. That in your hurt, the word of God pierces through that and in floods from the Father, compassion, and in floods, mercy, and in floods, grace. That in your confession, the word of, the word of God pierces through that. And it sounds terrifying, but it's piercing through so that forgiveness and cleansing might take place. In this scripture and in this confidence of scripture, the confidence that the spirit is working in ways that we don't even realize, we can find assurance. Earlier I talked about how sometimes the most spirit-minded thing that you might do is to simply have a mundane, even maybe boring Bible reading time. I would ask, do you believe that the spirit is so big and so powerful that the Spirit could take even the most boring or, or, or you know, struggle-filled devotional time and transform it beneath the surface 
into something that is big and something that would be beautiful and something that would help others? Do you believe that the Spirit can literally make dirt in your life out of the pieces that are there as Scripture mixes with it, as truth mixes with it, so that you might be changed and then might demonstrate the beauty of the faithfulness of Jesus to other people? Let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace. Two more things that I'll just add on that by by way really of application. I work with high school students and and one of the most common questions that I get from my students is is they'll come to me and they'll, they'll say something like, hey, I really felt God when I was at camp. I really felt God during this one semester. I really felt God during this one moment. But recently, everything just kind of feels off and dead, like God is distant. Has he, has he run away from me? And for a long time, I spent, for probably a couple of years, I would sit down and visit with them, and I always felt like there was this deep pressure to kind of have like this really, really wise, big spiritual idea. Like, yes, here's the application you've been missing. Here's the magic pill Here's, here's some deep spiritual wisdom from your youth minister that will change everything. Now go forth and you'll find the richness of God. And recently I've, I've been challenged in that in my own life. And the first question that I've been asking is simply, do you pray and read your Bible? And normally the response is kind of their face drops. We've got a great group of students out at Eagle, but their face kind of drops and they go, really, you're, you're going to give me the Sunday school answer? And it's easy to dismiss that. It's easy to laugh it off. It's easy to say, well, I want depth beyond the Sunday school answer. But don't search for a depth beyond the Sunday school answer if you're not going to do the Sunday school answer. And that starts with a faithful study of Scripture. It starts with showing up to the classroom ready to study Scripture and not being distracted. It starts with reading and listening to the word of God, even when it feels a little bit mundane, trusting that the spirit is working, because that's faith, being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. And finally, I would say this. Don't be afraid of imagination when it comes to reading scripture. I'm not saying go invent something. I'm not saying start a new theology or anything like that. But when you read the stories of Jesus, when you read the Psalms, when you read the Proverbs, when you even read the messy stories of judges, imagine, where am I in the story? Where's Jesus in the story? How is the spirit working beneath the the, the scenes? What, What did it maybe smell like? What did it look like? How did it feel? And how was God faithful then? And I know how it feels now, so I can trust then that God is faithful now, just as he was then. Jump into scripture with imagination, knowing that God is cultivating something within you and living with the faith like he is. Let's pray. God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for your goodness and grace. Thank you that we can come to scripture with our own brokenness and find your brokenness and resurrection, with our own hurt and find your own hurt and resurrection, that you took on our rebellion and you promised us resurrection. May we find just rich times in scripture. May you give us the faith to keep reading and know 
that the Spirit is doing something behind the scenes that we can't even see that is far bigger than we'll ever realize. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening today. Boise Bible College exists to raise up leaders for the church where we value scholarship, humility, innovation, and community. For more information about Boise Bible College, please see boisebible.edu.